Hello and welcome to the post-production podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Rachel. And this is a podcast where we two women who are AV production people, AV technicians, share our experiences working in the industry and do basic critique popular works. Disclaimer, right off the bat, um, <laughs> Rachel sounds like a frog and I am munching on broccoli. We're both just having a, a wonderful time. We're okay. We'll be fine eventually. But we wanted to record this episode for you guys. It's been a while. True that. And we have a lot to talk about. It'll be like ASMR, but bad. Mm -hmm. But it's okay because the content will be fine. So we can ignore the ASMR part. I'm still chewing. Hang on. <laughs> so fair. Where shall, where shall we start? Production? We, well, actually, it's been since before Christmas. Yeah. So any Christmas, New Year's production highlights? Oh, girl. I don't know if I have any highlights. I just know that I finished Christmas Eve feeling like I had run an Olympic marathon. <laughs> yeah. Working in church tech during the holidays. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really fun and cool stuff you get to do. There's like, I, I got to do all sorts of fun stuff for Christmas. That's my disclaimer. However, sometimes it's more fun in retrospect to tell the stories about all the stuff that went crazy. <laughs> That's always how it goes. Oh, yeah. It was a whole thing, especially because... Here on the East Coast, and I think a lot of places in uh, North America, there was a massive, like, historic, record-breaking cold front mm -hmm. that came through. Like, it was literally 10 degrees when I left for work on Christmas Eve, which is insane because I live 20 minutes from a beach. So for it to get that cold is, like, unheard of. Snow on the beach, however that song goes. Oh, gosh. That's a, that's a conversation for later. <laughs> it was just a little crazy because it was like the storm itself actually caused like a lot of problems that I don't think anyone saw coming. Two out of the four campuses of our church lost power. Oh. Two out of the four campuses lost network connection. And so we're getting all sorts of phone calls like up in the production department like, hey, what do we do? We don't have internet. How are we supposed to live stream? And I'm like, uh... Mobile hotspot? Like, yeah. I don't know. And so we're like calling the internet provider and they're like, oh, um, yeah, we have a line down due to the storm and we have literally no idea when we will like be out to like fix it. Right. And so that was like the beginning of the day. That was like eight in the morning. And, you know, the first service is always kind of like the dress rehearsal. And so like there are all sorts of like small production things that you spend the first service tweaking. Um, and then I head over to another campus to, like, get them kicked off. And I walk into the building, and it's colder in the building than it is outside. Ugh. And I was like, something's wrong. And sure enough, I walked upstairs, and one of the windows in the sanctuary had shattered oh from gosh. how cold it was. I didn't know that could happen. I didn't either. I think, like, my understanding is that there was some structural damage to the window previous to the cold right yeah and so like the running theory is that like the cold must have exacerbated the structural damage to a point where it just blew up but the thing was it's like it's a it's a second story window on like a massive like old baptist church building and like clearly no one like broke in through the window right like it's not reachable unless you have a crazy tall ladder nothing was taken like all the things right it literally had just broken 
The problem was then I'm like kicking off rehearsal for Christmas Eve and like everyone is like in their puffer jackets Mm -hmm. because it is so cold in the building. And we're like, oh my gosh, like how are we going to get it warm enough before like everyone shows up? Like all this stuff. Got to stand on stage with the lights pointed at you for a while. Yeah, literally. It's like this is the first time in the entire history of my job that I have thanked God that we have hot lights Mm -hmm. in that room. (laughs) Because if we had LED lights, it definitely would have warmed up slower than our, like, you know, ancient light fixtures did for us. But yeah, it was just, it was one of those days that I'm sure you've had, like, those kind of marathon production days where at the end of the day, you look back and everything went all right, right? Yeah. Everything was fine. The average, like, consumer of whatever event or media or whatnot had a good time. But, like, you as the production person just feel exhausted and drained from, like, solving 92 problems in six hours, right? I don't know. And I guess, like, we haven't really done, like, a specific, like, a church tech episode and talked about, like, kind of the culture of being a church technician and, like, how that is kind of different from being a technician um, at other venues. But I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is, like, things that for a lot of people are, like kind of like a fun like big thing to look forward to like a Christmas Eve service like as a technician you kind of finish the day and it's like it's hard to be like proud of what you've done because you're like you're so exhausted it's easy to get in the mindset of like oh well like so many things happened and like so many problems went wrong and all the things so I definitely had like the mental battle at the end of the holidays of like I just felt so drained from like working so many hours throughout December and like kind of really hyping up all these holiday events in my head that once it was all said and done, I was like, man, I'm wiped. Mm -hmm. Did you get some rest? I did. Yeah. I actually like I got to go visit my family for a week, like right after Christmas happened. So it was kind of a nice like welcome break for sure. I didn't do too much uh, this week because I don't work for a church or this last like month, but I guess the the most exciting production thing that I did was I I went home and I went back to the old church I grew up in and they did their little candlelight service on Christmas Eve and uh, we're setting up a microphone because people were going to come up and read some scripture in between songs and we needed to set up a microphone at the podium and the cable wasn't long enough and my dad was like, hmm. We don't have any longer cables. I don't know what to do. I was like, can you just get another cable and connect it? <laughs> he was like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Wow. So that was the the most production-y thing I did over the holidays. You daisy-chained XLRs. Yeah. And wrapped a few cables here and there. Uh, I also took a video of my sisters singing a Christmas song. What was it called? I think it was just called Noel. It was. It's a, a fairly new one. So it's like, Noel. Oh, the one by Lauren Daigle? Yeah, that one. Yeah, we did that one on Christmas Eve. Yep. Yeah, so did we. (laughs) But my sisters did it. Yeah, one of them played the piano and the other one sang. Oh. So, yeah, it was was cute. Yeah, and then I just, I took the rest of the week off, drove home in the freezing cold for five hours. Oof. So it wasn't scary until I got close to, like, the the final stretch is through the mountains and there's lots of bridges and twists and turns, so I was, like white knuckling the whole time but it, it ended up being okay but yeah dri- driving is one of my top anxiety fire and driving those are the top two <laughs> for me huh 
Yeah, I never had issues driving in inclement weather until I got in like a really bad accident driving in the snow. Oh, is that when Hector uh, was deceased? Yeah, that was when I unfortunately totaled my faithful car, Hector. Yes. Yeah, we've both moved on to new cars since we have since we started. Now Fred and Hector are in car heaven. They really watching are watching us. Yeah. What's your new car's name? Um, she doesn't have a name because she used to be my dad's car and she never had a name, but I know her pronouns are she, her. That's all. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So it just feels wrong to, to give it a name at this point. Yeah, that's like, we've managed to give like a lot of the cars in our in our family history, like funny names, but like my mom's minivan, I feel like like continues to kind of elude a name. Other than, like, I called it the whale for a while because it feels like driving a whale. My mom did not appreciate that, so it did not stick around as long as I hoped it would. Yeah, we used to have a um, Ford, oh, what was it? This giant Ford SUV, and this was around the time I was learning how to drive, and I I did get some, some driving hours in that thing learning how to drive, and my mom was like, if you can drive that, you can drive anything, and I was like, sweet, okay. Ford Escape, that's what it was. Ah. Uh, so it was gigantic. Iconic. Yeah, and it was back when there was a little baby, so we needed like lots of room and, you know, room for all of the things and we were wanting to, you know, go on trips and things like that. So everyone in the family is an introvert, so we like having space. Yeah. <laughs> so actually everyone but one sibling <laughs> is an introvert. <laughs> You know what else I did over the holidays? Oh, what? I finally finished Andor, yes. the new Star Wars series. Yes, yes. You mentioned that last time. So I I am a, a faithful watcher, so I watched it as it premiered. So now that we have both seen it, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Oh, man, you guys. I've been like sitting on all my opinions for like a while because we were like, oh, we'll save like our Andor thoughts till the new year. So like everyone kind of gets a chance to watch it. So I'm so excited to finally like dissect it a little bit. Here's, okay, my immediate punchline. I loved it. I loved it even more than I expected to love it. Cause like- uh, Same, yeah. I watched the trailers and like, you know those series where the, like the sizzle reels and the trailers come out and you watch them and you're like, it looks interesting, but like, I don't know if I'll love it. Yeah, like honestly, initially, my only stake in Andor is that Diego Luna is pretty, and I was just gonna like, yeah, watch it and see what happens. And Valid. Turns, turns out it started to like really pick up, and right, it's very interesting. It's very different. Very yeah, it's different. very different. And I truly like the thing I loved about it is I really felt like I never knew what was gonna happen in an episode. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, the first few like everyone's like critique is that the first few episodes are slow, which is true. However, I felt like once you get past, like, even in that third episode, things just, like, take off and yeah. you literally never know what is around the next corner. Yeah, which because the first two episodes were so slow, I figured, like, okay, the third episode, things are gonna, everything is gonna come together. Yeah. Because they're clearly taking their time with those first two, setting up the characters and his situation and, like, he owes everybody money. Nobody really likes him, but, like, this is the the situation that we're in. yeah. The other thing that's interesting about this show, again, like, I didn't expect to love it, and I loved it. Like, I loved it more with every episode. But the other thing that's interesting is with such a huge ensemble cast... So many characters. Uh, the interesting thing about this show 
was that like you don't really love any of the characters right right yeah like you harbor some fondness for the people who are set up as protagonists but the thing that's interesting about the show is it it's such an examination of morality yeah that you see such a clear pull between good and evil in each person Mm -hmm. right like cassie and andor is not the most sympathetic character yeah right he's not like the kind of character who you like can sort of envision yourself as nor is he the kind of character you like fall in love with because they're charismatic yeah right yeah i felt like the only character that i had nothing but love for the entire show was mon mothma and that's just how i've always felt about her right i thought you were gonna say b Eh, i don't know (laughs) He was the family pet, you know. Yeah, he was cute, but like not as cute as I think the showrunners thought he was. He's he's no BB-8. Exactly. It was really interesting that they chose not to make any character really... Well, that's not true. There are some characters that were very clearly evil. Yeah, or characters that you truly hated the whole time. Yeah, Dedra is a really interesting one because yeah. she was such a terrible person, but she was a woman in a man's world. So that kind of made you, well, especially from the I was gonna perspective, say, it's like, I, I get it, but like, you're such a terrible person. I can't, I, I don't want to root for you, but no, I am. for real. <laughs> That's the thing is like, you hate Cyril and you love Dedra. Well, I never really loved her. But. For a while, right? And like, for me, my turning point where I finally like, I knew that Dedra was the bad guy. I knew I was eventually gonna like have to hate her. But for a while, I kind of held on to an admiration of like, the character of Dedra is so freaking cool. Well, yeah, and she's right about her hunches, too. She is. Like, that's the thing is, like, again, it's like that thing of she's a bad person fighting for a bad cause, but in such interesting and smart ways that, like, you can't help but kind of root for her. And I felt like the scene that kind of revealed, okay, Dedra's true character really is evil, was the torture scene. Yeah. That one was freaky. Yeah, that was horrible. Very, very unique, I will say. I, it sounds like something that could happen in real life is the thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, we're not torturing anybody. We're just making them listen to things. Yeah. So, yeah. Sounds very um, American. Denise Go, who plays Dedra, said in an interview, you start off rooting for her because she's a woman in a man's world. But by the end of the series, you see that she's a fascist in a fascist world. Ooh, well said. Yes. I was like, okay, so that's that's kind of the, the arc of the character and well and how the audience is supposed to respond to her. What what did you think about Cyril and Dedra's Oh it, gosh. Mm. I okay. <laughs> I felt like and I still stand by this even having had like a lot of time to reflect on it. The character of Cyril shouldn't have existed after like the fourth episode yeah genuinely and i know why they kept him around because he didn't really do anything after that yeah that's the thing like the only thing that cyril did after kind of the first half of the season was annoy the living crap out of me (laughs) yeah and and here's the thing (laughs) no tea no shade against kyle solar he did a great job of like portraying this like kind of neurotic hyper-focused person who just like wants to play by the rules right Mm -hmm. and like does not respond well to people who go around the rules or people who change the rules and the interesting thing for me i think was like the fixation with dedra 
also annoyed the crap out of me. But like the end of that plot arc in the last episode was kind of a fascinating little nugget yeah. amidst the chaos. Yeah, because I think, uh, well, again, interviews with Kyle Soler and Denise Go, they they would often do interviews together. Interesting. For the show. They're, like they were paired together. That's what studios always do for press tours. They like pick actors to right. pair together. But they were talking about that relationship and they were like, Cyril kind of sees Dedra as like the personification of everything that he believes, everything he yeah. wants. So that he becomes obsessed with her. And Dedra is such a terrible person. She has never had anybody see her that way. Right. So she was kind of shocked, of course, not just by the creepy, but by somebody actually wants her. So by that last episode, she was like, hmm, <laughs> all right. Yeah, especially because like, the fight she's been fighting and the world that she like so clearly believes in is falling apart in front of her. Yeah. I think Cyril's obsession with her in her mind suddenly goes from like, I have a creepy stalker to, oh, this person also believes in what I want to believe in and they just saved my life. The weird marriage of like that savior complex, because think about it, he has a savior complex when he saves her life, mm -hmm. but like, in his eyes, she also is his savior. Yeah. Because, you know, she saves him from, like, getting his butt handed to him by the Empire, which is, like, why he becomes obsessed with her in the first place. I laughed so hard when I finally realized what was going on in that, that one scene where he's like, you are, I have never known true beauty until I saw you and you interviewed me. She was like, you were being interrogated. I, that killed <laughs> it was me. so funny. That scene was so good. <laughs> Stupid men. Anyway, but I think the point is that they're going to make each other worse. Yeah, for and sure. And they're going to be just terrible people. And I'm and looking forward to see how they how they do that in the next season. Right? Let's talk about Diego Luna. Yes. What What do you want to say? <laughs> well, I want to know, like, what were your opinions? Because obviously, like, big ensemble cast. Oh, yeah. Lots of moving parts. But at the end of the day, the series is about him. Yes. So what did you think of his performance, his storyline, all that? Well, I thought his performance was just incredible. Like, there was nothing that took me out of the show. Yeah. From his acting. I noticed there were a lot of, like, close-ups to his face, you know, because he's, like, ha having all these internal battles of, like, do I help these people? Do I not? Do I go home? Because he's on the run yeah. pretty much all the time. So he's... He's kind of deciding which battles to pick, I guess. Like, is yeah. he going to go home and go to his mom's funeral? Or is he going to stay out of the way, out of danger? And something, an observation that a lot of people have made is that in all of the big fight sequences and uh, battles, so to speak, uh, he's not on the front lines necessarily. No, never. He's always he's always helping people. He's kind of that spy hero. And that's how he yeah. is in Rogue One as well. He helps Jin accomplish the the main goal. I th that was something that I really liked. There were a lot of parallels between him and Jin. Mhm. Mm and it was pretty overt right off the bat with the uh kyber crystal necklace that Luthen gave him mm -hmm. in like the th fourth episode, the um child abandoned or orphaned or whatever at a young age and taken away from his home by somebody he didn't know very well at all mm -hmm. yeah i think it was nice to see that that like oh these two characters if they had more time would have understood each other really well 
if they yeah got to the point of talking about their lives and things like yeah i feel like the interesting thing about cassian and like the way that diego luna portrays him is it's this really like understated kind of straight-faced performance by him yeah yeah all the time that's why i said like it's all in the the eyes and the face yeah like that's what is like that's what makes him such a good actor is like you watch the show and you're like, this is the least e- expressive character I've ever met in my life. He talks as little as possible. He gets involved as little as possible. He really is kind of that thief turned spy character of like, he's not like outgoing and passionate and expressive the way that we're used to our heroes being, right? Mm-hmm. He's not Luke Skywalker. He doesn't have like huge feelings and huge opinions and like, this desire for justice that will take him to like the edges of heroism. Like, no, he's, he's a a thief with a gambling problem and like he's on the run. And there's that complicated morality of like, he's a person who has done a lot of bad things. Like the show starts with the protagonist murdering someone Yep. for pretty much no reason. Yeah. And owing people money. Yeah. And scheming his way out of it. Yeah, like, all the people in his life that love him and support him have also given him, like, all of their money. Yeah. And have never seen a a dime of it back, or a credit of it back, if you will. Yeah. Well, and when he gets money from the uh, Aldani mission, he pays everybody back. He does, which I think, like, it's easy to see the Aldani mission as him just being backed into a corner. Yeah. And taking the only option that will give him money and freedom. Uh, But there also is that fascinating thing of, like, he finishes the Aldani mission and, like, his immediate first instinct is to, like, return home and pay everyone back. Yeah. Which I think that's where you start to see Cassian's true colors of, like, this person is not actually a thief by nature. Like, he's a fierce loyalist, but who also has trust issues because of this, like, complex background that we see through flashbacks. Yeah, complex background, life situation, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are good people in tough situations all the time. Yeah, but I really liked it because I feel like it's really easy to just tell Star Wars stories over and over and over again and almost, like, kind of typecast the characters. Yeah. And I feel like Andor, in its first season felt really unique yeah the plot points you never saw any of them coming and you have this cast of characters who like largely are like fairly complex in the way that you receive them and feel compelled by them and like not typical expression of it's not heroes versus bad guys you see the full spectrum yeah and like you see the ethical battle even within the rebels minds of like all the rebels rebel for different reasons and have different definitions of rebellion yeah right even in that like cast of characters going into the aldani mission you have everything from like the rebel manifesto all the way to like the problematic rebels right Mm -hmm. yeah i really liked that um there was no mention of the Jedi or the Force. There were no cameos mm-hmm. from main characters from other stuff. So, Well, except for Saw Gerrera, I guess that counts. But he wasn't really in any of the main movies. He was always a side character in like Rogue One, Clone Wars, Rebels, all that. But yeah, I liked that it was pretty much exclusively just ordinary people living their lives and figuring out how to function with an oppressive empire mm-hmm. pushing down on them and figuring out how to rebel. Luthen was a really 
interesting yeah. character. He has to be so cold and ruthless in order to get the rebellion going. Yeah, he's fascinating because like he's so clearly so committed to the rebellion. Yeah. But you also see him like he does have to set forth kind of that cold and ruthless set of rules, right? Mm -hmm. He's not afraid to cut one of the rebels off or draw boundaries with them or even like set them up for slaughter if it means like saving the greater good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, it's that like, it's that complex examination of like in Luthen's mind, sometimes to get to the greater good, sometimes to preserve the majority of the rebels, like he has to kind of stand by and watch other rebels fail. Yeah. In essence, which you know, equates with death normally. Yeah, and that's how revolutions become successful. Yeah. There's always got to be that one person in the background that's just ruthless. <laughs> right. R ruthlessly fighting for the rebellion from the sidelines or from the back end, I guess. Yeah. I will say, this is like a random side note, but um, the way that Luthen's toupee was like a character throughout <laughs> the season, <laughs> The wig or the toupee? <laughs> like, oh, no, like the, 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 like the bad hair piece that he used to like, quote unquote, disguise himself. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. I know it wasn't meant to be funny. I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was too bad. I was like. But I think since we know it's a wig. I was going like... to, it's just that like he looks the same with or without the hair. Right. Is the thing that cracks me up. Although he smiles more and sounds a little happier. Yeah. Like he has to fully get into character before going out into it. He really does. Yeah. So that's some, that's some deep cover spy times. Spy stuff. Yeah. Oh, hey. So, uh. Luthen is played by Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Took me way too long to realize that was Dr. Selvig from the MCU. Right? <laughs> yeah. I knew I recognized him. So very different characters. Yeah. I ended up Googling it during, like, I didn't Google it finally until, like, the finale. I just knew I, like, recognized something yeah. about the actor. It's like, you seem very familiar. Yeah. But yeah, he's in everything. He really is. And he's so good. Mm -hmm. His character's interesting because, like, Portions of his character are, again, like kind of that understated, ruthless, expressionless, like you don't know if you like them or not. And then like obviously his facade, you know, interacting with the senators and all that in his little shop is very outgoing and bubbly. But you know it's fake the whole time. Yes. Good, good actor. Uh, surprise Andy Circus in the, the jail arc. That was an interesting storyline it really was one that again i i did i wouldn't have predicted like oh a large portion of this will take place in like the world's most ruthless jail yeah like i thought we were going to build upon like him fighting with the rebels and like it was going to be another thing like that but they yeah. didn't they went in a different direction yeah which i really hated the jail storyline at first yeah like, i was just like itching for us to be done with it yeah and then they like get into hatching the plot and I was like, oh, yeah, we got like some heist level, like break out of the jail and jail. Break. Yeah, it was another thing. It was like there were three episode arcs. Well, there was the intro, the first three episodes, the Aldani arc and the jail arc. Those are the three episode ones. And for all of those, they spend the first two episodes preparing, building up to the third episode, which is when everything goes down right like the aldani heist episodes they didn't actually get to the heist until the third episode yeah like the first episode was here are all these characters the second episode was here's the plan third episode okay we're here let's do it mm -hmm. the 
jail episode, I, it occurred to me that because it's so huge and intricate and like complicated, they probably at least started building that facility during the Clone Wars for oh. probably like hostages, POWs to make war stuff. Because we know now that they were spoilers, they were building uh, parts of the laser for the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Looks like they were building some kind of reflective panels or things like that. Because there's no way, this is only 14 years of Empire-ness. Yeah. And all the Empire did was rebrand everything that was already there and then add on to it. So that's because that that was, you know, Palpatine's behind it all playing both sides. So he was like, okay, I'm going to need this and this and this. I'll have the Separatists handle that. I'll have the Republic handle that. So (laughs) when you make the Empire and take over, I will have all of those things. And this also goes to show that Palpatine is the real big bad guy. I think even like you don't need Darth Vader to feel the evil <laughs> in the the story. It's all Palpatine pulling all the strings and doing all the the taking over of worlds and things like that. Yeah, he's just utilizing other very evil people to do the dirty work. Any other thoughts? Not particularly, other than. I'm very excited for season two of Andor. Yes, yes. I'm also extremely excited because Disney Plus has finally started teasing The Mandalorian. Yes, yes. Well, a teaser came out a couple months ago for season three. Yeah, but like, I feel like it finally starts to get real when Disney will include, like, this is a small thing, but like, I was on Hulu the other day, which hilariously enough, like, Hulu has Disney Plus ads that run like all the time. Really? Yeah. I guess they're friends. Uh, who's who's to say? <laughs> but uh like Disney Plus has like started really hyping up like yeah, like The Mandalorian going to be like one of our biggest releases of this year. So, I'm getting really excited for it. Yeah, did you did you watch Book of Boba Fett? Cuz I think you need to watch that before getting into season 3 of Mandalorian cuz it, it expands upon the story. Oh, uh, Boba Fett? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cuz it uh, that's going to be a little rough for people who just watched The Mandalorian and didn't watch Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, it is. To watch seasons one, two, three and be like, wait, Grogu's back? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> we are like, I feel like we're starting to teeter on the edge of MCU level. The same like, issues yeah. <laughs> that MCU is going to have and is having. Like, we have such a proliferation of uh, like big shows and big films coming out. And like, it's like, complex enough as someone who like knows star wars to keep up with this stuff right yeah you have to have like seen all the films like multiple times and like understand how all the timelines and things intersect and then all of a sudden you also have like multiple seasons of the mandalorian and you have obi-wan and you have book of boba fett and you have andor and like all of it interacts somehow Mm -hmm. um so we we are starting to teeter on the edge of like there almost is like so much media coming out within this world that like it's almost inaccessible to keep up with or if you're like new and like you don't know anything about star wars it at this point in the game is like kind of hard to get into it and keep up right although i think you don't need to know a whole lot about Star Wars to like Andor. Yeah. Because it focuses on the ordinary people and because there are no references to all the weird Jedi stuff and characters that you should know, you know. Yeah. 
there's fewer like Jedi and force projecting and the Sith and separatists and how many times will this Sith Lord resurrect from the dead and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, like you said, it's ordinary people with ordinary powers. All you need to know is that there's an empire and an emperor and rebels. Yeah. And regular people. So that's why I I keep recommending it to people who aren't that into Star Wars because I'm like, you don't need to know very much to enjoy this. And it's a good social commentary, I think, on how revolutions start and how oppression affects the ordinary people yeah and how a community can come together to rise up against it right so yeah i enjoyed it a lot now i was thinking this is our our 99th episode which means next time is the big 100 so listeners we're going to do a q a and eventually rachel and i will both i assume post like a question thing ask us a question you know on our instagram stories that we can read during the show uh whenever we do that and there are some other things I was thinking we could do, but in case we need some more time today, I always wanted to do the, uh, they're a 10, but <laughs> like that kind of game. Because <laughs> I think people on the internet play it wrong, especially on like those TikTok filters. It's always, they're a 10, but, and it's always either like something bare minimum for a healthy relationship or just straight up red flag. No, 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 no. Give me something neutral and weird. Like, <laughs> they're a 10, but they can only turn left interesting like that's it like if they if you're it is on, neutral and weird yeah like if you're on their right they have to turn all the way around counterclockwise to, st- to talk to you <laughs> you know if they're in a situation where they need to roll down the hill it has to be left <laughs> they're a 10 but they have to notify you every morning that they drink their coffee exclusively black every morning yeah every morning every morning like it's like the insufferable coffee snob of like and I, I'm saying it because I'm one of them. But it's like that thing of like, oh, like I only drink my coffee black, except the neutral and weird thing is like they have to tell you every time they drink a cup of coffee. Every time. I only drink this black. I think it depends on how much coffee they drink. Fair. Like if it's not, if they're not a huge coffee drinker, then it's like, okay, I mean, whatever, I'll take it. But if it's like four cups a day, like one of those people... Then it would get pretty annoying. Yeah. Like every morning would probably be a, like an, oh, okay, you're awake. You're, you're awake and alive. Good to know. Like I don't have to respond. Right. You know, I can just be like, I drink my coffee black. Okay. Hello. I'll give it like an, an eight. Because <laughs> it would still be kind of annoying. Hey there, this is post-production Kiri in post-production. I am changing my answer to this one to like a six or maybe a 6.25 because it, it would get annoying after a while, even if it's just once a day. Uh, because then I would start to question if I'm dating a bot or if that's even, you know, the p- a person behind the text sending it. So I would start to question. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Please send us some there a 10 but and maybe some would you rathers for our next 100 episode. Thank you for listening. Let's talk about left man. So if he writes, oh, gee, he has to start like in English. He has to write backwards because it can only go left. Oh, gosh. <laughs> He's rapidly going downhill. What else? Um, driving. If he has to turn right, he has to make three lefts. <sighs> <laughs> that actually, okay, that low-key happened to me yesterday, though, because I was stopping to pick up lunch for a friend on the way to work, um, and I went to cookout. Have you ever been to cookout, Kiri? Is that a, a place? Yeah. Apparently not? Yeah, I had never heard of it before I moved here. 
it's like a chain of like maybe it's an eastern seaboard thing yeah i think it is honestly i think it's like i'm trying to think of like what a comparison would be to the midwest but i literally can't think of anything like cookout it's basically this like super cheap place that you go to get like cheap and greasy food so you go and you get like some chicken wings with like some cheesy bites and some hush puppies on the side and like you get like a drink and you get like cheer wine soda it's very like kind of eastern seaborne kind of a little like southern influenced for sure but anyways uh everyone around here is like obsessed with cookout so i'm i'm going to like grab someone's lunch from cookout and i pull in and cookout has like very elaborate drive-throughs right oh because like most of the people that go to cookout just hit the drive-through most of the time also because if you go to cookout you're going at like three in the morning (laughs) and it's one of those 24-hour places uh yeah kind of it's one of those it's open like 11 a.m to like 4 30 a.m like it's extremely weird hours and most of them have these like double drive-throughs and so i'm like pulling into one of the lines and i see this sign that's like for faster service please get in the short drive through line. And like, I don't know what I was thinking in my head, but I was like, oh, like if this sign is right in front of me in this line, I must be in the long drive through line. So I go to like pull around cookout to like get in the other line. And as I'm pulling out of the line, number one, embarrassing, the, the <laughs> cashier goes, hi, welcome to cookout. What can I get you? Right as I'm like pulling away and I was like, oh, awkward. And I like drive past the window and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll just like kind of make a little loop back around the building. And I get to the other side of the building past the window and it's a one way. Like you can't make a loop back around the building. And like the only thing you can do pulling away from the window is get back on the main road. And I was like, (laughs) ah! And so I'm like, dang it, I guess I gotta like, pull out and like come back so i like get back on the main road i flip a u-turn and then i have to flip another u-turn because like (laughs) like okay it's like a big enough road that in order to turn like you you have to do it at a stoplight right yeah so i had to like turn right coming out of cookout onto the main road yep and then then, like go to the next stoplight turn around and then drive back past cookout until i get to a stoplight flip a Yui there, and then finally turn right back into cookout. They definitely knew I was back. Yeah. Because I think they had seen me when I had, like, driven past the window the first time, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> what time of day was it? Um, it was, it was like, 11.30. Okay, that's not too So, bad. like, thank God. Yeah, no, the lunch rush was not there. I was, like, the only one there, which was, like, partially why I was a little confused, because there was no, like, flow of traffic to observe. Uh, okay. And I still have a little bit of beef with cookout. Beef with I'm cookout. Like, Why do you have that sign about get in the short line for fast service? That sign was in the short line. You know what I mean? Do you, oh, like, yeah, I know that's... I sound dumb and like, I admit that I am dumb, no, 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 but no, the no. sign was confusing. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That's, they should have like arrows pointing at this is the short line. Yeah. Go here if you want faster. Or like label them or like close one off or something. Like, I don't know. Or maybe they didn't label it so that too many people wouldn't end up in the short line so it still goes quickly. (laughs) Right. Here's the thing. If Chick-fil-A can do like double and triple drive-thrus with the speed and efficiency that they do, Mm -hmm. Cookout could do it too. Oh wait, what 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 rating would you give uh, Left Man on it on a scale of one to ten? Oh, like a six. Okay, <laughs> I just foresee so many issues with that. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for listening, dear listeners, to the post-production podcast. To the Frog and Broccoli show. Yeah. <laughs> AKA post-production podcast. Yep. If you liked this episode, please let us know by leaving a rating on whatever platform you have, if, if you can do that. And be sure to follow us. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much all the places. So true. And uh, you can also follow us on TikTok at PostProductionPod. If you want to follow us individually on Instagram, we have Rachel H&H. That's Rachel. And then at Curie underscore Jones, K-Y-R-I underscore Jones. If you want to hear more about us. And just remember, next episode, Q&A. So be thinking about some questions you may want to ask us. Whoop, whoop. And you, you got to be following our Instagram or our TikTok if you want to be able to ask them so that we can see it. So be keeping an eye out for us to say, okay, we're doing a Q&A episode. Ask your question. Mm-hmm. It can be a silly question, preferably. It can be a... <laughs> Uh, a serious question about uh, media production or AV technology, or it can be a um, there are ten option, <laughs> or perhaps even a would you rather. That would be fun. True. Cool. We might do that as well. Uh, anything to add, Rachel? Uh, not much other than um, this has been the post production podcast. podcast. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye now.